Good morning. So I guess you're waiting on me. Well, if you're waiting on me, I got bad news for you. You're waiting on the wrong person. We're supposed to be waiting on God. Let me ask you, how many of you had the greatest 2019? Everything that you planned and you wanted to happen in 2019 came to pass. Okay, I guess that's a unanimous no. I'm, I'm in there with you, okay? Um, day after Christmas, I'm, um, I'm sitting there, and I just spent some time with the Lord, and um, some things came to my realization. Um, this country's impeaching its president. Uh, China's in a trade war, um, not just with us, with most of the world. Um, they're not selling Europe or um, Australia coal, um, which I know if you're an environmentalist, that's no big deal. Uh, but if you're a poor person who depends on coal to heat or the factory you work in to be powered, it's a pretty big deal. You see, they're one of the largest producers in the world. Um, so pretty much I was sitting there looking at the state of our world and my affairs as well, and I was bummed out. I was down in the dumps, and I was in a place where I knew God did not want me to be. How do I know that? Well, I walked to my refrigerator door, and I opened it up, and it was full. And God slammed me. And I said, you know, Lord... I have so much to be thankful for. I have so much to be thankful for. It's so easy for us to get caught up and to dwell in what we do not have. Isn't it amazing how we do that, especially at the Christmas season when all we need is Jesus? If you have Jesus, what more do you need? But the world teaches us no, 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 you need this, and you need that. You know, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, they had everything, everything. They lacked nothing. I know, except for clothes, okay? But <laughs> that's, that's a different story, okay? That's between them and God, and you'll, you can find that out when you get to heaven. Um, but they lacked nothing until the adversary showed up and said, oh, wait, there's one thing you don't have. This one thing that you don't have. My friends, it's so easy for us to get mistrack, off track by the adversary to lead us and guide us through this world that we live in and that we pay more attention to than the other more important things we should be paying attention to. Pastor asked this morning, who needed this? I think when we're all said and done here, you're going to find out today that we all needed this, this morning. He and I do not collaborate at all about this, okay? So just so you know, this was not pre-planned. I had no idea what he was going to open up with this morning. He had no idea what I was going to come here and speak about. I'm one of those who I'm always looking for God's signs upon anything, Okay, I came here to preach one Sunday, and that morning, I'd, the whole thing was planned out, everything. And God told me, he said, you need 
some sawhorses. I was like, oh, Lord, I don't have sawhorses, okay? Where am I going to get sawhorses? He said, oh, they'll be at the church. Now, my wife and I are usually here about last every Sunday because she does the books and we're, we're taking care. And so I run around and sometimes I help Cal pick up trash and I take the trash down. And I was going, I ain't seen no sawhorses. Where am I going to get sawhorses at? You know? So I'm looking for that confirmation that this message, Lord, is from you. This is what you want the people to hear this morning. So we get to the church. I'm walking. Yep, sure enough, I'm walking. And I go down the back row there. There's a couple of sawhorses. It's stuff like that in my life that I just about can't help but just stop and be right there and go, Lord, I'm such a pitiful creature. You go out of your way each and every day and do everything you possibly can to show me in my life that you are real and you are in charge and you're at large and the world better look out because if they would just believe in you, if we would just believe in God. Now, I don't know about you, but 2019 did not turn out the way I planned. A long time ago in my life, I gave up on goals. Now, I used to be a goal-oriented person. I was trained about goals, knew all about goals. Goals were it. I knew how to, you set a goal that you know you can achieve. Okay? There was three goals that you would set. You set a goal that you know that you could achieve. Then you set a goal that's just a little bit better than anything you've ever done. Okay? Then, if you're a Christian, you set a goal that's way... The, the only way I'm getting there is if God is not just involved, because I want Him to be involved in everything, but this is totally God if I get there. Okay? Well, you see, in my life, I live by faith. I'm not saying that to brag in any way, shape, or form. My wife will tell you she's marvels at what I do for a living. She said, I could not live the way you live. You see, I get up and go to work of a morning, and I don't know if I've got work. I don't know if I'm going to do $100 or nothing, okay, until I get to the dealership. And I talk to them and walk their lot and look over the vehicles that they have and bring to their attention stuff they need. But I don't have a clue. I totally depend on God. I totally depend on God. And me and the wife have talked about this, and she and I, have, well, this is the way we live our lives. God, you are our source. Not that car dealership. Not the person that's at that car dealership. God is our source. So many times it has happened, and it happens to me at least once a week. I will get there. And there's a couple of things for me to work on. I'm like, okay, you know, what am I going to do the rest of the day? And before I know it, and I learned this, I learned this the hard way too, before I know it, there's more work that keeps coming out of the woodwork. God just keeps on uncovering stuff, okay? He just keeps on uncovering stuff. So today, I wanted to bring to you that we can totally change 2020 beginning right now, okay? Beginning right now. And I brought to you 10 ways 
that you can do that. Okay, so in your life, no matter what you do, whether you're playing a game, driving a car, or baking a cake, there are certain rules that we have to live by. They're for our safety, as far as our as as well as for our success. Okay, certain rules we all know. If you drive down the road today, when you leave in the wrong lane, there's going to be a few problems. Okay, if you drive down the road today exceeding the speed limits, you're going to have a few problems. If you continue to live outside of the rules, not only are these problems going to escalate, but you're probably going to find yourself in a state where you're no longer allowed to play the game of driving a car or whatever else it is that those rules have to apply to. You with me? My big concern for you and for me, and for us, I believe Jesus is coming. I believe Jesus is coming really soon. My concern is, I believe the vast majority of us are not ready. I sometimes wonder if I am. And I tell myself, oh, Lord, I should not. I believe in you, and I trust in you, and I know you're my Lord and Savior. But I'm concerned that we have loved ones, we have family members. And friends, let me tell you this, okay? Pastor and I have talked about this. We did a revelation study here in our church. But we don't know exactly how things are going to go down. And let me tell you this. You read the Bible... And you're going to find out that most of the folks who were involved in the miracles of God had no idea how these things were going to go down. Noah was not a shipbuilder. Noah had never seen a boat when he was asked to build an ark, much less ever driven one. Then he's asked not only to build this thing, but to get inside it, and it's going to have a door that he can't even close. God closed the door of the ark. You talk about faith. Something he's never seen, something he's never done. And he goes and follows what God has in store for him. My problem, my fear, is we are not ready to do that. We're not ready to follow in that type of blind faith of something we've never seen, never heard, and never done. We're too fearful and too cautious. We're not bold in the faith. The Bible teaches us in 2 Peter 3 verse 8 that the Christian life is supposed to be one of constant growth. When you were born again, you were born into the God's family. It is God's purpose that you will grow into full stature and become mature in Christ. It would be against the law of God and against the law of nature if we were to remain a baby in Christ and thus become a spiritual dwarf. Beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord, that's 2 Peter 3.8. Well, that is just great. I got you the wrong verse there. Maybe it's supposed to be 1 Peter 3.8. <laughs> well, it's not that one either. So, 
we'll just leave that one aside for now. We know the Bible teaches that we are to grow. Growth implies steady development. It implies that we are to constantly increase in our wisdom. Now, how do we do that? What is the one major step that we should follow to do that? Well, I brought you 10 today, okay? The first step, and these are in no particular order. You might come up with your own 10. I don't know, okay? But this is the one that I felt like we should start with, is to read your Bible daily, okay? Someone gave me a great book for Christmas by one of my most favoritest people in the whole wide world. And this gentleman is a Christian. He's a big Christian now, but he wasn't always a Christian, okay, just like us. And he realized that when he became a Christian, he was about 28 years of age, if I'm not mistaken, that for the first 28 years of his life, the world and Satan had filled his mind and his heart and his belief system full of junk, You may have had that happen to you. Maybe you had parents who never believed in you, who never thought that you would be very much. You weren't going to achieve much in life. You're never going to amount to much, Ken, okay? So don't you have those dreams and those goals. You may have listened to too much of the world telling you that people from Nazareth, they don't amount to much, How could this guy be anything? He's from Nazareth or wherever you may be from, okay? Maybe you've had a spouse who didn't believe in your dreams and your goals and your desires and said, oh, honey, you're just going to be the janitor there at work, and it's okay, okay? Well, let's remember Philip in the book of Acts, remember? He waited on tables, And he did it so well that he constantly moved up and became the first martyr for Christ, if you will, okay? Now, not that I'm trying to get anybody martyred, okay? Um, But it wouldn't be such a bad thing, actually. The Word of God has a far different story for you than what most of us as parents have told us what most of us as spouses will tell us on a daily basis, and for sure what the world is trying to tell you. The world wants to tell you that God is dead, that what he has to say doesn't matter, that Jesus was a prophet of old. Why do you follow that stuff? My wife and I recently even, it's so shocking to me this way that the people of this world are now in my life. Um, we play the Bible all day long at our house. It's playing in the background. Um, and someone asks us, why? And my immediately thought process is, why not? Why not? You know? I said, well, we want the word of the Lord speaking over our house and over our kitty cats all the day long. Okay? All the day long. I don't want anyone else speaking over my house anytime ever. My thought process is this. We've all had things in our life that our minds have accepted as truth. 
things in our life that our hearts have held on to and cling to that are wrong. And we've got to erase those things. And the adversary's words are powerful. God's words are incredibly more powerful. I don't care what's been spoken over you by the world, the adversary, or anybody else. Erase all of that junk with God's Word. Start putting the most powerful Word on your life and in your life that you can possibly not even imagine. Okay? Get into God's Word and read God's Word each and every day. Now, some people ask me, where do I start? That's totally up to you. I... When I first started, I actually did start in Genesis and read myself all the way through, okay? Now, people have asked me, and they're like, okay, when you got into the he begot, she begot, and they begot, yes, that was a nightmare, okay? However, there are good stories in there, okay? There's the prayer, prayer of Jabed. Um, yeah, there's the pr- and it's awesome in there. It just stops right in the middle of he begot, she begot, and it tells you about this man, and he walked with God, and God heard his prayer, pretty important that it stops in the middle of there, I think, myself. Now, what I tell people nowadays is, if you're a new believer, I would recommend that you start out in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Fall in love with Jesus first, and that will help you when you go and read other books of the Bible, because you'll understand, and you'll see Jesus in there. You'll see Jesus in Genesis, in the garden, okay? First step, read your Bible. Read your Bible daily. If you haven't begun, do so now. It's the most important thing, I believe, after you've become a Christian, that you can do for yourself. If you'd like to start reading your Bible, and you maybe want somebody to hold your feet to the fire, Ken, you know I want to read my Bible through next year. Just get with me. Let me know that you plan on reading your Bible. And I'm a fairly, despite, you know, what rumors may have, I'm a fairly nice guy. I won't bust you out in front of others when you tell me I haven't read this week. And I'll be like, oh, hey, I've been there before, okay? It's okay. Read tomorrow. Read today when you get home. Pick it right back up, okay? I promise you, I will encourage you. I will not beat you up, okay? Um, because, listen to me, okay? We beat ourselves up enough, Okay, I, I believe that we really do. When you are a Christian walking in the faith, you beat yourself up or you get beat up. Okay, so I'm going to encourage you if you didn't read, get started. Okay, and if you'd like to read the Bible through, I will help to hold your feet to the fire. I will ask you every time I see you, hey, you've been reading? You know, we'll be cool about it. Okay, our little espionage under, undercover secret reading Bible group. Okay. Secondly, and again, I said this is my order. It's not necessarily yours. Secondly, is learn the secret of prayer. To me, this is one that really, 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 I just can't explain to you. But prayer is so profound. It happens in so many different ways. Now, of course, first, the first thing, you you know, the first prayer you probably ever heard or or taught or anything to do with was, you know, Lord, I'm a sinner. I know that you, Jesus, died on the cross for sinners like me. And I accept that you died for me. And I ask that your blood washes over me and that you now fill me with your spirit. 
okay? Now that you can start, but later on, you're going to want to start to have them prayers like you hear other people praying, you know, like pastor, where you just talk about, pastor, I mean, Lord, you know my toe hurts. He knows that. But maybe he was just waiting to hear you say it, okay? Now I'm just throwing out something simple out there. Myself, personally, and my wife will tell you this, we've learned in our lives, we pray all the time, okay? We were late one day, and we were going to church, we were late, and there was this car that was acting crazy in front of us, and the light's green, and, and we're in like a 35-mile-an-hour zone or something like that, and this car slows down. I mean, we're doing about 10 miles an hour, and the light's green. Well, we can't go to the left to get around them, and we we're, we're just need to get through the light and take a right, and we can get in here, you know? And we're like, this is just weird, you know? Well, the light changes. They go right on through the light at about 10 miles an hour through a yellow light. And a, so whenever you're at a light, don't automatically assume things are going to be okay, okay? Just make sure you're cautious there. The reason I say that is because we stop at the light. It was yellow. Wife reaches over and holds my hand, and we start, Praise ye the Lord, hallelujah. The light does not cycle through. Light turns green, and we drive through. <laughs> Be in constant prayer. Live your life in constant prayer. In my life, daily, God is expecting me, I believe. That's my belief. Okay, not that I'm anybody, okay, but he expects me to be constantly talking to him. Okay, and part of the reason why is, is because I'm constantly out in public. I meet people all day long, and I never know who I'm going to have the opportunity to impact and uplift and work with in some way. I'm going to get to it here in a minute. I'm going to tell you a story about a man, and it's so strange, you may think, okay, because somebody here in church one day, I came here straight after work, and I'm in my work attire, you know, and they said, Ken, you look like a, I think it was a hoodlum or something like this, you know. I, it didn't occur to me. I'm just trying to stay warm, you know. I've got a hoodie on and a toboggan, and I'm bundled up. Well, I'll tell you a story here in a minute about what I looked like to someone else. Prayer. Listen to me. God always answers prayer. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes the answer is a flat-out no. I have a good friend. We went through something, and this person was flat-out told no by God. No. You will not get that position. Needed a job. Desperate out of money, broke, borrowing money left and right. Really? God, I can't get that job? Nope. Continued, out of work. Months went by. Things got more dire. Is selling personal possessions to eat and keep the lights on. The job they wanted to get closed up went out of business unexpectedly, bought out and closed and shut down. Gone. 
They were totally perplexed. They thought they were supposed to be there. The next day after that was in the Roanoke Times newspaper, the next day he was hired at a job far better than that one with an immediate signing bonus. <laughs> Years ago in this church, I told people, I said, God loves to show up and to show off. But you know why he doesn't? Because we hold him back. We don't believe. We don't put things in action so that he can be involved. We would rather listen to the world and be quiet about our Jesus. Oh, I can't talk about him, you know. I might offend someone. I might upset someone. I wonder how upset God is when we don't give Him praise and glory and honor and tell people we all should have a testimony. We all should be able to stand for hours and talk and praise our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for the good things He's done for us and the good things we've seen Him do for others. We should be able to talk for hours. It brings me to my third one. This is something that it came to, it came to me in life, and, and just, it just happened. And that's why I say that I always look for things to give me confirmation of things. But the third thing, and I want you to learn to do in your life, to have a better 2020, to have a better tomorrow, and to ensure that you're going to be ready when Jesus Christ gets here, is to rely on the Holy Spirit. Rely on the Holy Spirit. We should be led by the Spirit at all times. There should never be a moment when you are not being led by the Spirit. If you're not being led by the Spirit, you need to ask yourself, who is leading me right now? Who is encouraging me to say this right now? Who is leading me to think like this? If this thought isn't pure and holy and good and lovely, it is not from our God and our Lord and Savior. It is from the adversary. You should be learned to be led by the Holy Spirit constantly. And when you practice this, and that's a terrible, I don't know of any other way though to put when you put it into action, when you start doing it, you will find that there is a way, and I'm ashamed to admit this, but I'm a person who looks for confirmation. But God knows that. When pastor asked that this morning about somebody needs this, I'm back there ready to run up here and go, yeah, buddy, it's me. I needed to know because I worry about, I know pastor has great plans. He has ideas and things that he wants to accomplish for God. And I know that I don't want to step on his toes for Wednesday night. And I'm always like, okay, what can I preach about that's going to help the congregation, but yet at the same time, it's not going to interfere with anything pastors got planned. And then it's also going to bring glory to the Lord. You think you're under pressure. <laughs> Being led by the Holy Spirit. My wife and I were in a bank one day and we're sitting in the drive-thru, and I seen a man out there, and he's walking up and down with his sign. Now, something about him hit me. I don't know what it was, but something about him hit me. I kept watching, and she's taking care of affairs there at the window. 
And God told me, you're going to go around the building. And this is at 5.30ish in the evening. I think it was a Friday evening, maybe, something. It's one of those days where there is not going to be a parking spot at the bank. Okay? Especially at this one. I think they have like five. So we go around the corner. He said, you're going to go in the first one on the right, which puts you closest to the road, so you can go down there, and you're going to go down there and give that man money. Now, that's something I don't do, okay? I do carry water, oranges, fruit, apples, and we'll give that out in a heartbeat, and I've done that many a times, okay? So I, we go around. I said to the wife, we're going to go around here, and we're going to park, and I'm going to go give him money. And she's like, what? Who got in the car? <laughs> Where'd my husband go? She has to tell me. We was at Kroger's one day, and this person hit us up for money in the parking lot. And she has to tell me, we're supposed to do that, dear. And I'm just like, oh, I didn't get nothing from the Lord on that one. Uh-uh. I didn't get nothing, but I will follow her lead, and we will give. Well, in this instance, God told me to do this, okay? He told me that the parking spot's going to be there, and you're going to be able to get out and go do it. So we go around the corner of the bank, and I'm looking for confirmation. And that parking spot's the first one you can see. And that parking lot's open. So we pull, I tell her, pull in there. I got to go give that guy money. So I go over there, and I got my wallet. That's right, I got my wallet. (laughs) Not the front pocket. But I didn't get in the front of the wallet. I got in the back of the wallet where the big bills are. And I grabbed the big bill. And I knew I grabbed the big bill because when I put it in his hand, he looked at it. And then he looked up at me. And he wasn't expecting that. Matter of fact, I think it kind of messed with him a little bit. And so I asked him, I said, can I pray for you? And we prayed right there in the middle of the road, in the middle of the street. I thought to myself, this is what God, how many people pass by that man and do just like I do? Get a job. Here's a bottle of water. Here's a piece of fruit, but I ain't giving you no money. I know what you're going to do with that money. I don't know what he's going to do with that money. I don't know what he's going to do with a bottle of water or an orange. And neither does anyone else. hate to break that to you. God does. God told me to go do it. And I wonder how many people pass by that man and me standing there in the median praying. And maybe it wasn't for me and it wasn't for him. It was for each and every one of them that they needed to see, that we need to be, and I'm going to get to this one in a little bit, a little more loving and a little more caring because that was somebody's son standing there. And that somebody was just as important to Jesus Christ as I am, as you are, as anyone is. God loves him just as much as he loves 
the biggest saint in the biggest church. Number four. Now, I said we didn't collaborate, so I'm getting him off the hook. Okay? Don't throw stones at pastor. This is coming straight up from God and me. So you got a problem, you can talk to us about it. Number four. This is one that's near and dear to my heart. Very much so. Attend church regularly. Attend church regularly. There is quite possibly, outside of the first three, nothing better that you can do for yourself, for your family, or for our world than to be attending church regularly. The world needs more faith-filled churches and houses of God full of people lifting up our world to him because of its great need that only he can feel. But that door is empty. The pews are empty. The seats are empty. Why? Because our hearts are empty. If our hearts were full of love of God, these pews would be full We'd be telling everybody, you couldn't shut us up. You could not stop us from talking. Oh, come on. You all go to work. Guess what's going to be talked about at work this morning? Boy, Clemson come back and whooped them, didn't he? I mean, oh man, did you see that boy? Did you see that game? Oh, let me tell you, did you see what that girl did on the basketball court yesterday? Man, I'm telling you something, ain't she? Come on. You got jobs. You've been there. I know, when I walk in dealerships, you wouldn't believe the stuff I hear talked about. You wouldn't believe the stuff I hear talked about. And I'm just standing there. And I'm just, is anybody talking about Jesus this morning? Is anybody talking about Jesus? Well, here, we're talking about Jesus. This is the best place you can possibly be whenever the doors are open. And if these doors are open, do everything you possibly can to be here, okay? Not only is it going to help you, okay? It's going to help your community, okay? It's going to help our state, our country, and it's going to help our world, okay? But you know who else it helps? Is it helps each and every other person who's sitting here today beside you, okay? You know what? Some days, some days, I'd rather stay at home. Okay, I'm just going to tell you straight up, honest to God, okay? Some days I would. But you know what? If I wake up with a sniffle, I'm sorry, but I'm going to be sniffling all day at work. But buddy, if you wake up with a sniffle on Sunday morning, oh, uh, you know, hey, I better not go to church. You know, I might infect the saints. I got to worry about them. You know, I'm just looking out for y'all and taking care of y'all. I'm a good brother to you, you know. Me, I would rather sit beside you sniffling, okay? Because I don't know what you're sniffling about. But it's going to stir in me that maybe I need to be praying for you. And I'm not being. 
and I didn't think about it till you sat there and sniffled beside me or had a cough or whatever the case may be. And I'm going to tell you something else too, okay? And I am a nut. That's a flat-out fact, okay? I believe that if you've got a sniffle or you've got a cough, this is where you're supposed to be. I don't want to get healed out there with Corsedrin or ibuprofen or whatever. I want to get healed up in here because the healing up in here, Corsedrin or ibuprofen or whatever that junk is, can't touch. Don't miss church. Attend church regularly. Regularly. It's good for you. It's good for your soul. It's good for your spirit. It's good for those of us who see you come through the doors. I'm not kidding. I'm not trying to be facetious about that at all. My heart leaps within me when I see you walk through the doors. Number five. And again, I, I, I promise you, I am not trying to beat up on you. I, but I want you to understand the dire situation that I believe that our world is in. That I believe that we are in. Because we're part of this. Okay? We can't separate ourselves just because we're a Christian. Okay? We need to be more involved in it than the non-Christians are. And let me tell you what, they're pretty darn involved in it. You better believe it, okay? Because if you're sitting there wondering, how in the world did that law ever get passed? Who do you think got it passed? Because they were involved in this world. And we were sitting at home with our heads stuck under a blanket or stuck in the boob tube getting stupid. Okay? Number five. Number five, be a witnessing Christian. Everyone should know whose team you're on. Because if everyone doesn't know whose team you're on, God might be wondering Himself whose team you're actually on. What do I mean by that? Be a witnessing Christian. Despite my appearance, I walked in a dealership one day. There was a new man in there, a man I'd never seen before. Me and the managers were talking, me and some other people were talking, and people that I know were talking, and we go on, and I get to work, and things happen, and later on, I come across that young man again. And he stops me, he says, can I ask you something? I said, sure, you know, I'm here to help, you know, sure, you can ask me something. Did you hear what I said? I'm here to help. Sure, you can ask me something. I don't care where you are. I don't care what you're doing. Your attitude should be one of, I'm a child of God. I'm here to help. Yes, sir, you can ask me something. So he looked at me and he said, where do you go to church? I was just like, well, and I told him, so why did you ask me that? He said, oh, I could tell you went to church. How could he tell that? By my attitude? By the words that came out of my mouth? 
by the words that didn't come out of my mouth. Okay? By the way that I treated each and every person that he saw me interact with. By the way that I treated him. Okay? No one is any less in God's eyes than anyone else. But we let the world put us all on a scale. Don't we? And they do. Constantly. And we find ourselves in that scale real quickly and real easily. And we find ourselves putting each other in that scale. Okay? When I say be a witnessing Christian, you guys hold on to your seats. Okay? Everybody got a firm grip? Pretty good? Okay? I'm going to shock you. There are people who attend this church on a regular basis who will not speak to me. They will pass me by and not say a word. I will hold the door for them every Sunday when service ends to leave and wish them a nice day and not a word will be said back. And I'll do it again the next Sunday and the next Sunday. And I told you a few minutes ago that I have a big smile on my face when each and every one of you comes walking through the doors, even the person who won't speak to me. Why? Because what a glorious day it's going to be. In glory, when that person does change their heart about me and will and be happy to see me here just as I'm happy to see them here. Because if I'm not legitimately happy to see the person here who can't speak to me, then I'm being fake about being happy to see you who does. Am I just happy to see you because you speak to me? I need to be happy to see each and every person that's on the face of this planet because this may be their one opportunity to be introduced to Jesus Christ who loves them. Maybe they've never seen that before. Maybe every person they've ever been ugly to has treated them just as ugly back. But I didn't, or you didn't. We didn't. And we were Christ to them at the moment God Himself needed us to be Christ to them so that they could be saved. Be a witnessing Christian everywhere you go. Every neighbor you have, every family member, every friend, every co-worker. Let me tell you something. Don't be afraid to stand up for Jesus. Don't be afraid to let the world know that you love Jesus. The world needs to see people who love Jesus because people who love Jesus are the most beautiful people in the whole wide world. In the whole wide world. Number five. I'm sorry. Thank you so much. Man, you don't know what that does. He does. That's, that's, that's so nice. That's so awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Number six. This is one that is near and dear to my heart a lot. Let love be the ruling principle of your life this year. God said, and I hope I got this one right, Tommy, John 13, 35. Let's see if I got this one right. John 13, 35. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. 
I'm not talking about that guy on Friday night or Saturday night in the back seat of a car. I'm dating myself, aren't I? Don't know. They don't do back seats of cars no more. Uh, who's going to tell you that he loves you just so he can get you in the back seat of the car? And I know we've got teenagers here, Mom. I apologize. Um, they need to know not everybody that tells you I love you is talking about a heavenly love, a godly type of love, the type of love that's willing to come to this world and be an embryo in a woman who was barely more than a child herself. Our Lord and Savior was a baby in a mother's arms. He was a little boy whose feet ran upon the fields that He created. He was a man that held out His hand for all the world to grab a hold of. He was our Lord and Savior, our Redeemer, who died on a cross so that His blood could cover you and I. So that when God looked at us, He did not see filthy rags as were described. He saw the blood of His Son. Can't we love like that? It's really not that hard. I promise you it isn't. Now, it might be a little uncomfortable the first time or two. Okay? I'm not going to deny that. Sometimes it's uncomfortable to love people. Okay? It really is. Sometimes it's uncomfortable to be loved. Okay? I think if we really understood how much God loved us, we'd become real uncomfortable. We'd probably become so uncomfortable that it might shake us out of the doldrums that we live in and shake us into action of loving others like He loves us if we really understood the love of God. But we never will. Even in heaven, I think, it's going to be, bless you, it's going to be explained to us over and over, years and years, the love of God. And we're going to see it, the love of God, in everything He's got for us and planned for us. You know, my wife and I was talking about this, how that the world has commercialized Christmas. And it was so funny. We were watching Charlie Brown Christmas. My favorite. Okay, I mean, you know, I'm a Charlie Brown guy, okay? Uh, just because I could pretty much relate to Charlie Brown. Um, you know, somebody was always pulling the football out right when I was going to kick the field goal, okay? I know you've got a Lucy in your life, okay? You've probably got a Linus or two, all right? There's nothing wrong with that. But in Charlie Brown, it was 1965 when they did the Christmas, and Charlie Brown talks about the commercialization of Christmas. That was amazing to me. I thought that that just was recent that we discovered it was commercialized. It was like even in the 60s they realized that. They realized that. It's amazing when you stop to think about it. We've known things for a lot longer than we realize that we know them. We know how to love a whole lot better than what we will put on that we know how to love. God, Jesus, put it real simple for us. Love others as you love 
yourself. Now, I don't know about you, but I know how to love me. I'm pretty good at it. I'm real good at it. If it's raining and I have to go home from work early, I know how to get in the refrigerator and fix something that I like to have fixed, okay? Because I know the way I like to fix it. We know how to love. We just like to act like we don't. Well, I wasn't really sure if I should say anything. I wasn't really sure if I should come over and offer to help. I wasn't really sure if I should help that person that I saw. What if you were that person that you saw? Would you want someone to help you? If we would put ourselves in more of those places, we might find that all of us could be in a better place. Number seven. This one will probably be near and dear to pastor's heart, okay? I actually thought of him when I wrote this one down, okay? He talks about this a lot if you listen to him, okay? Be an obedient Christian. Be an obedient Christian. I know I've listed these out, and I don't know which order they should be in. But you definitely got to read God's Word, and you definitely got to pray, and you definitely got to have those things. But being an obedient Christian, I knew, had to be in the top ten list here. Because without obedience, we're just an unruly mob. And you know what unruly mobs do? Bad and wicked things. Such bad and wicked things that when things are said and done and all over, that they can ask members of the mob, why did you pick up a brick and throw it through your own storefront building? I don't know. I was just caught up in the moment. I don't know if you guys can remember this, but there was time in this country where there was things called riots. The Watts riots in L.A., if you can remember those. Okay? People set fire and burned down their own stores in the middle of all the chaos and unruliness. This world, Satan, he doesn't care how he gets a hold of you as long as he gets a hold of you. And the first step in getting a hold of us is by disobedience. When we're not obedient to God, we're being obedient to someone else. We're following someone else's lead. Being obedient to God whether it hurts, and sometimes it does, okay? Whether it's painful, discipline, okay? Whether it means I'm going to have to do without something that I used to like and love, okay? Maybe you've never been there, but us drug addicts have, okay? We have know what it's like to not have something that we really crave and our body wants desperately bad, but we have to give it up. And now, we can't imagine that we ever did that to begin with. It boggles our minds. Be an obedient Christian. It's not only going to be one of the best things that it can do for you, but if you look back at Lot's life, just think of Lot and his family of five 
would have been real nice and obedient and saved one person each. They would have met the number that God agreed to Abraham with of ten. And Sodom and Gomorrah would not have been destroyed. And all those lives that will never spend eternity with God would not have been lost. You and I have the same responsibility here. If we aren't real close to living in Sodom and Gomorrah, I don't know what else it would be called. And it may be that it's not being burned up because we still have the right number of obedient Christians staying the forces in the tide of evil. I don't know what that number is, but I know it includes each and every one. And we better hope we don't lose that number and the hand of God be pulled away. Obedience keeps the hand of God blessing. Disobedience brings the hand of curse. Be an obedient Christian. Number eight. Following along those veins, learn how to meet temptation. Learn how to meet temptation. Now, let me say this. Temptation of itself is not sin. I saw that cake, and I was sure tempted to have a slice. But I did not. Okay? I saw that girl. Okay? I saw that guy, and I was real tempted. But I did not. Okay? If you have to look away, look away. If you have to leave the room, leave the room. The Bible says if you have to cut off your hand so that you will not go down in the pits of hell, a thief, cut off your hand. Now, I'm not saying to cut off your hand, okay? But I am going to tell you this. If you're dealing with a temptation and that temptation is so strong that you know that you fall, and you've done everything that you can possibly do, and you're still falling, and you're still failing, you come see me, you come see him. And we'll do everything in God's power to help you through that temptation, and through that trial, and through that time. Don't go through anything in this world alone. When you're alone, the adversary quite possibly has you right where he wants you. Because you'll do things in secret and in darkness that you will not do in daylight, in the light. You follow me? By that I mean, don't be alone if you're going to be tempted into evil. Get someone with you. Someone who can walk through it with you and help you. I would rather you know my temptations and save me from hell than you never know the trials I go through and I die and go to hell. Because I'm going to feel real bad when I get to heaven and you're not there. And I knew I could have offered a hand, but I didn't. So I'm offering it right now. And I'll always offer it. The lady asked me, she said, you offered to pray for my son one day. Yes, ma'am. Does that offer still stand? It blew my mind. I was like... As long as I'm breathing, 
yeah, <laughs> come on. That's what we're here for. We're here to help one another. If you're not here to help somebody, get out of the way so people can. We've got to start helping one another, okay? If we started helping one another, our world could definitely be changed in 2020. I'll guarantee you that. Number nine, be a wholesome Christian. Be a wholesome Christian. What do I mean by that? Okay, again, I'm at the car lot, but I thought about JT on this one. JT told the story to us men about this place he had to deliver to, and it was down, at, and I mean, it was taken somewhere. I'm going to tell you where I was taken to here in a second, but it was down a road, and it was kind of like secluded and private, and the guy's known to meet you with a gun as you bring him his package. Well, when I was knee-high to a grape, there was a farmer that lived near us who was known to be quite grumpy. And one morning, and it must have been in the summertime because I had to have been out of school, you know, because Dad's gone to work. Dad's not around, and I don't know why I'm home if it's not summertime. So his cows are out. Mom's like, well, I'm going to have to carry you down there to let him know because he don't have a phone. And I was like, carry me down there to let him know. I'll watch you go, Mom. That's fine. But no, Mom takes me. She parks, not in his driveway. She parks in the dirt road down the road where he lived. She won't even pull in his driveway. That's how he was known. I don't even get to the door. And he's got a shotgun in his hand and is stepping out. Can I help you? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, Mr., and I won't say his name, your cows are out up lane. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> and I'm just hoping I don't get shot. If I head back to the gravel road where mom abandoned me <laughs> and let me walk up the driveway to his house. I say that. Don't be that person that people dread to see coming. Be a wholesome Christian. Jesus welcomed every person who would come to him. Do you remember how he greeted Judas on the night of his betrayal? Friend, he called him. Knowing he's going to do what he's going to do. You know there's people who don't like you. But you're still supposed to call him friend. You're still supposed to be love to him. You're still supposed to be Jesus to him. Be a wholesome Christian. Don't be that person that people hate to see coming. And you know who they are. Christianity's had a bad name for a long time. We have had a bad name for a long time. You don't believe me? Just go to the restaurant when you leave here and see how your waitresses are so excited about having the Christian community show up after church. Okay? We've given ourselves a bad name. It's time we change that, folks, okay? Because God does not deserve that at all. I've had so-called Christians sit in my home and tell me how badly they cussed out a waitress because their salad dressing was wrong. I'm quite sure there's a few million people around the world 
that wouldn't mind having a salad with the wrong dressing. Number 10. This is the final one, and I'll get you guys out of here. I apologize. I know we went over, but I don't apologize. I feel like this stuff is so important. You need this. And 2020 is going to be your year. And I wanted to give you stuff that you could make that happen. You could change your life. Okay? You know, the world will teach you to have a dream and go for it. Well, Joseph had a dream. Okay? And I don't know how he thought that dream may come about. Remember he had a dream that his brothers would bow down to him? Okay? If he would have been a little bit like his earthly father, Jacob, he probably would have tricked them into it. You follow me? Remember how Jacob stole Esau's birthright, tricked him, tricked his father? Trick, 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 trick. That's what he was about. But now do we see that about Joseph? I think the first nine principles that I gave you, we could say about Joseph. It wasn't Joseph's dream to go to a foreign country and leave his dad, who he knew loved him. It wasn't his dream at all to end up in a foreign country, imprisoned. That wasn't his dream. But Joseph followed God. And his dream followed him. Right down to Egypt marched them nine brothers of his. Eleven brothers of his. And guess what they ended up doing? In Egypt. Bowing down. You follow God and your dreams will follow you. Don't chase your dreams. They may chase you away from God. You follow God and above and beyond anything you can ever imagine will follow you. Live above your circumstances. Never let your circumstances define who you are. My next door neighbor lost his job right before Thanksgiving, I believe it was. It was back in the fall. All he'd ever been was a security guard. He was devastated. I prayed with him. It's going to be all right. You'll find something. Now he's got a job working at Elizabeth Arden with Don, who's a Christian person. And I know we'll look out after my neighbor. He's got a better job than he had as a security guard. He makes a better wage. He's got better hours. And he's got better benefits than he had as a security guard. He could have been down in the dumps. It was a terrible time of the year for this to happen to him. It was even wrong how he was fired. He's a Christian man. He held on to his faith. He had a brother who would pray with him and lifted him up in the Lord and stood by him through whatever he was going through. And now he's far better off than he ever thought he would be. God wants you to be far better off today than you were yesterday. He died on a cross to make it so. He wants you to spend eternity with Him. We're not supposed to live in this world. We're supposed to live in the kingdom. We're supposed to breathe kingdom air. We're supposed to live kingdom rules and kingdom laws. And when we do, we live in kingdom world. Things in this world don't apply to us no more. Things happen to us and around us, 
but they don't affect us. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ lifts us above all of that, far above the cross that we bear every day to sit on the right hand of God with Him and to be forevermore in the presence of God. The psalmist said, Better is one day in the house of God than thousands elsewhere. I pray for you this day, you will dwell in the presence of God. See, you don't know. You don't know when they're going to just say, "Okay, we're done." So, uh, don't forget tomorrow night if you if you're a leader in the house, if you oversee a department, department heads, and board, we're meeting tomorrow at seven o'clock. Wednesday, 